Um, so, welcome to this, this discussion. Um, just two points before we get, get going. Firstly, we've been asked just to remind people, please, to use social media, to tw tweet, to do whatever else you need to do. Uh, we had a very good presence yesterday. We'd like to repeat that today. Um, and there's something else that I've just forgotten. <laughs> um, I'll remember as we go along. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome Zenzel and Debele, who, for whom this is not the first time. I think it's the third visit here. Is that right? Um, at Radio Days Africa. Um, and who's been part of panels before, and, and um, we're really glad that you could come back. Uh, he was previously with Radio Dialogue, and now I, I see that you describe yourself as journalist, activist, and entrepreneur. Um, so perhaps he'll say something a little bit about that, about his new ventures. Um, he will talk about the broadcasting landscape in Zimbabwe. We, know, we all know as South Africans that there's been dramatic change there. Um, maybe not quite as dramatic as some, as sometimes it seems, but certainly quite significant change um, in the last, uh, you know, in the last over the last year, I guess, is the period. Um, and I think we all are fascinated to know what that's meant for broadcasting. We hope that it's made a big difference. But over to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, good morning to you all. My name is Zenzel Ndebele. Um Yeah. Uh, these days, I, I describe myself as a journalist, uh, entrepreneur, and an activist. Uh, I worked for Commun Radio, or Commun Radio Initiative, for 15 years, which was known as a, a Radio Dialogue. Uh, then in 2015, I left Radio Dialogue and set up an organization called uh, the Center for Innovation and Technology, uh, precisely because I believed that uh, the future was digital, and I believed that uh, a lot of media houses in Zimbabwe were not using a lot of the digital space to actually you know, disseminate information. So what we, 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 we are doing now, we are disseminating information on social media, but we've also gone back to community media spaces and actually worked with community radio stations, the NGOs and other organizations on how they can package uh, their information on, on social media and also how they can use the digital spaces. This is because mainly in Zimbabwe, uh, media is state-owned and it's also owned by those who are linked to the state. So there is basically less space for people who are seem not to be working with government. And in the last uh, two years that we've been doing this, we find that we really reach a lot of people on Facebook. We stream on Facebook, but also tweet a lot. We, are, we go to events and basically stream, uh, live stream the events, tweet events, and it has been doing quite fine. But also we, because the, we still don't have common radio stations, we believe that uh, common radio stations in Zimbabwe can use this alternative. But maybe for those even common radio stations who are on air, they can actually use social media uh, as a way of uh, generating uh, income, you know, going to live streams, doing activations, tweeting for people, because most of the times the guys with the money who are in the NGOs, uh, sometimes they don't care a lot about, uh, you know, how the information is packaged, not always, but sometimes. So what I'm going to talk about basically is uh, I'll try to give you a rundown of the history of the broadcasting in Zimbabwe and then point out what I think is the problem and how maybe the problem can be solved. Uh, so 
since 1980, uh, that's when we got independence from the British, we have never had a community radio in Zimbabwe. So what we've had is uh, probably what we call community initiatives. But the government of Zimbabwe has never licensed community radios, and they've always had uh, a lot of excuses why they cannot uh, uh, license community radio stations. They'll tell you that they are divisive, they are foreign-funded, they don't have enough spectrum, uh, all sorts of excuses. So we still don't have uh, community radio stations. But what happened was, even before that, until uh, 2000, uh, the monopoly of the Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation was actually constitutional. In our constitution, ZBC was the only one which was allowed to be the main broadcaster. So in 2000, um, a company called Capital uh, Radio went to court and they challenged the monopoly of ZBC and the monopoly was struck down. So what happened between the, 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 the constitutional ruling and the new law being put in place, this lady called Jerry Jackson actually the one who had gone to court started broadcasting because in those few days there was no law that allowed or that could, not, that could stop them from broadcasting. So they went into a hotel room and started broadcasting, but they were shut down within a few days and there was then a law which was put in place which was known as the Broadcasting Services Act. Uh, it made it almost impossible for people to have uh, radio stations because uh, the law had funny things like if you wanted to start a commercial radio, you were supposed to have at least 10 shareholders and each of the shareholders should have at least 10%. So there was no one who was allowed to own more than 10% in a commercial radio station. Then they also said for community radio stations, uh, you could not get foreign funding. So if you wanted to start a community radio station, you cannot receive donor funding. So there are lots of these funny uh, laws that, I mean, that they put in place so that people... It made it so difficult to actually have a radio station. But also what was funny with this law was that... Uh, it said for you to get a license, the Broadcasting Service of Zimbabwe should first of all put an advert in a newspaper inviting for applicants to apply. Then you then uh, you know, apply for a license. So from 2000 to about uh, uh, 2006, no application came. There was no advert. So they will just not put an advert. And if you write to them and say you want a license, they will say, can you please wait for an advert? Because the law says we first of all need to advertise. So between uh, that time, between 2000 and 2013, there was the rise of uh, the community movement in Zimbabwe, where community radio stations like Radio Dialogue, I worked for Radio Dialogue for 15 years, uh, started to, to set up. And basically they were not licensed, but they used what they called alternative means of communication. So they would produce uh, cassettes, uh, CDs, this was before social media, so they would package their programs on cassette and CD and then stream them in commuter buses and, and, and have public meetings and record the meetings. So that was the struggle between 2000 and 2013 where we saw almost 13 different community radio initiatives uh, coming up with these uh, initiatives. And then we also had uh, an association of community radio stations known as uh, uh, Zimbabwe Association of Community Radio uh, Zakras in short. In 2012, uh, the government licensed two commercial radio stations. Uh, these were basically almost linked, oh, not almost, but linked to the government. ZFM is owned by one minister, is called Superman Duanzira, uh, he's a ZANPF minister. Star FM is owned by Zim Papers, which is a government company. Uh, Zim Papers is the one that owns, uh, that runs the biggest daily newspapers, the Herald and the, the, the Chronicle. They are owned by the state, run by the state. So these guys got the two licenses. And 
People started fighting, I mean, putting pressure on the government, and you had uh, statements like this that, uh, you know, you forget about community registrations, you never get community registrations. Uh, this was the, the permanent secretary in the uh, president's office, and the minister of uh, information, George Charamba, is still in the same post even after the coup. So they still argued that uh, there was no, I mean, it was not clear what is a community. Uh, if it's a community, then there has to be a chief. Uh, you cannot have community registrations in urban areas. We don't have the enough spectrum. It's a, a finite resource and, and, and all that nonsense. So in 2015, um, the Broadcasting Authority of Zimbabwe then uh, licensed what they called local commercial radio stations. These were in urban areas with a radius of 40 kilometers. But also the same people who got the two uh, commercial, the companies that got the first two commercial radio stations were licensed. Sky's FM is, is owned by some people who own Breeze FM, and they, 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 they are, there is a link that they also somehow linked to the government. The CEO is the commissioner of the uh, Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. Uh, Yai FM is owned by a former ZBC uh, CEO known as Mnyaraz Wengwere. Capital FM... Diamond FM and Nyaminyami FM are owned by the company by Zimbabwe's, which owns Star FM, which is a government company. Hawaii FM and Central FM are owned by Superman Wanzeras Company, uh, which is uh, the, the uh, AB Communication, which owns ZFM. So the same guys who got the commercial radio stations and the same clique, you know, the, the, the guys who are in the ruling party were given these licenses, eight of them, and they called them local. Community, uh, lo local commercial radio stations. So the question was, if you are in an urban area and you set up a commercial radio station that has a radius of 40 kilometers, what will happen to a community radio station if it gets licensed? Because that means the, commercial, the community radio station will have a radius of uh, uh, one kilometer maybe, <laughs> or maybe five kilometers. So that was a, a clear indication that the, the government is really not willing to, to give uh, community radio stations. Then just this year, uh, the government uh, then licensed a station in Bulawayo called Kunumani FM. Kunumani FM is owned by ZBC, uh, which is the state broadcaster, and also known as the, a, a local commercial radio station. So, for example, now in Bulawayo, we now have two local commercial radio stations, uh, Kunumani FM and Skies FM. And it's almost the same system that was used by Ian Smith because uh, uh, during the Rhodesian time, Ian Smith uh, created what he called uh, uh, decentralized community registrations. The government, the, the Rhodesian government, created community registrations that were put in those localities so that they broadcast in the local languages to stop people from, com from complaining. So Sky's FM uh, broadcasts in Devele and local languages. Kulmani FM broadcasts in Devele and local languages. So they always tell you, but what's your problem when you actually have uh, uh, registrations in your locality? What are you talking about when you talk about community registrations? Because these registrations are local. They are in your community. They speak in a language. They play your music. What's your problem? So I then, just two weeks ago, uh, I was given a document by someone who used to work in government uh, during Mugabe's time. And that document actually uh, showed that uh, in 2014, there was a mapping which was done by the, the Broadcasting Authority of Zimbabwe. 
and they uh, actually uh, mapped that we could have about 90 commercial registrations in Zimbabwe and 56 commune registrations. So the 56 commune registrations means uh, one commune registration per district because we have 15 districts in Zimbabwe. But the government decided not to license uh, all these stations for various reasons, which clearly are political. And they, they, they have continued to then say, despite the fact that there was a uh, document that was, docu I mean, that was gazetted in November uh, 2014 saying these are the frequencies that are available, they've not done anything. They've kept on saying, uh, you guys, we don't have uh, enough spectrum. So then we are now in the new dispensation. I think one of you remember this comrade uh, the, who was um, the, the, the guy who went and announced the coup, uh, Moyo. So after the coup, um, Zimbabwe called it a coup, which was not a coup because uh, we were told it was just uh, you know, uh, an intervention by the military. It was not a coup. So after the military intervention, um, whatever you want to call it, there, there is still, you know, I always uh, say, you know, sometimes when you are going in the streets or you're in a bank, then a thief comes and starts, or a robber comes and starts robbing you. So you're busy trying to negotiate with the robber, not to rob you, or he says down and he removes the gun. Then another robber comes in. And he robs that other robber who was robbing you. You know, he says, no, please leave. You celebrate for a moment thinking that the robber is coming to save you. Then after he disarmed this robber, he says, no, continue, down. He comes as girl and, and, and gets cell phones from you and your money. And this is what I think happened in November 2017. You know, there was this comrade who was robbing us called Robert Mugabe. And then another gang came and robbed Robert, not because they wanted to save us, because they thought maybe Robert was a bit greedy. Because you then find out that after the change, the same system is still in place. The same ministers who are in Mugabe's cabinet are there. Uh, the army then gets even more promoted. The minister of agriculture is an is a army guy. Uh, the ZANPF commissar is, is, is an army guy. The, the vice president is an army guy. Foreign affairs minister is an army guy. And yesterday we just had a press conference by the army uh, telling us how to report and what to, the, how. I mean, and the, the day before, we had a press conference by the police. Where have you ever seen uh, the army you know, having press conferences and disputing stories and, and, and saying all these things? Then you say, as a journalist, do you have any room to actually... Do you, did you see the light at the end of the tunnel? So we have had promises by the current government that they are going to open up. But I'm, I'm, I'm a bit uh, skeptical. I don't think these guys really want to uh, leave the power that they have. But also, what has happened over the years, because now we have so many years of so, where community registrations have been in place, but uh, not operating, we, we now have uh, uh, problems. So what are the challenges that uh, we are facing currently? You know, the, the government uh, is not willing to license community registrations, as I've said. So you find that uh, a lot of people are trying, by all means, to get licenses, and we are not going to get it. And for you to get a license, you really need to be connected uh, to the system. So if you are not in good books with the government, you're not going to get a license. So you, you also find that even with press conferences, you know, if you are not uh, linked to the state, you're not going to get a press, uh, an invitation to the press conference. So then we then also find that the common registrations that were, were operating started to have challenges of uh, poor management. You know, they, they were operating mainly 
because of from, from donor funding. So you start having allegations that uh, the money was misused. You know, you start having uh, fights in the, in, in the boards because these community registrations, most of them were actually ran by, you know, trusts. So, for example, I worked for a radio uh, station called Radio Dialogue. I left Radio Dialogue in 2015, and two years later, they, they had challenges of funding. They had, uh, um, you know, the board, uh, some of the guys in the board started resigning, and in 2017, Radio Dialogue uh, closed. And this was an, an organization that had operated for almost 15 years or 16 years. And right now, there are you know, efforts to revive radio dialogue, but we always have those challenges with community radio stations to say, you know, who owns that, that, that community, who owns the radio, so when we get funding and, uh, and, and all those kind of things. And the challenge also is once we, 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 we have these uh, young people who are working for the radio stations, Getting the experience and moving to other areas, the training of, of, of other people sometimes is not you know, that good, so they fail to, to run the radio station. So there's the challenge of managing the, the, the community radio stations and say, how do we sustain uh, community radio stations without uh, the donor funding and without being on air? Then there's also the threat uh, from commercial radio stations and online radio stations. For example, if today uh, the president or the current uh, comrade who's running Zimbabwe, Emerson Mnangagwa, would say, okay, forget about the past, we are going to give you licenses. And you license a community radio station in Bulawayo, where you already have three, or you already have two uh, uh, commercial radio stations broadcasting in a radius of 40 kilometers. Are we going to sustain the community radio station uh, in terms of advertising? Who is going to listen to a, a community radio station? Because that means your geographical location is, is almost, you are now broadcasting for in a, about 20 kilometers or less. And already you are broadcasting to people who are, you know, are not well up there. It's not a rich community. People are failing to buy a newspaper a dollar a day. So are they going to advertise your, your community registration? And you have a government saying, you know, you cannot get donor funding to run community registrations. But you also have the, the growth of online uh, projects in Zimbabwe. For example, there is, a, there is an online uh, uh, startup called uh, 263 Chat. Uh, these guys are doing fantastically well. They uh, send news online and uh, people subscribe to about uh, 10 cents a day and they have about, I think, more than 40,000 subscri 40, subscribers and people send about, um, and they subscribe over 10 cents a day for news. We have, I mean, the startup that I've talked about, the Center for Innovation and Technology that we, we are running, we're actually competing with mainstream media. Recently, there were the Music Awards in Bulawayo, and uh, we were the main broadcasting partners, and the state broadcasters at BC failed to stream those awards because their internet was not working or something was not working. But we were streaming and we were paid for streaming. So you then find that there are now a lot of people who are actually you know, doing online events. When there was, now they, then recently there was a bomb you know, at, the, at the White City. You know. It was not a good thing though. But <laughs> I mean for a journalist, uh, those, that day, they were working. So just a few minutes before the bomb, I decided to go out. Uh, then when I was out, there was an explosion. So people started screaming and, and all those kind of things. So for me, uh, all I could do was news. So we, I started reporting because I was now outside, reporting for the people who were, I mean, seeing from the people that were inside and I had the, the luxury of even going to hospitals. And within minutes, I was actually doing stories for uh, BBC, CNN. I think 
we, we went on for an hour before the mainstream media was actually running the story. And I was not the only one. Most of the online guys were actually running the stories, printing the pictures, sending them. And you're saying you're a community registration, it's a Saturday, you don't have money to pay your presenters uh, to be you know, at, this, at this stadium because they went over time and all those kind of things. Can you compete with the people who are doing it for the fun of it? And they're not employed by anyone, but they're always there. So the, these are the challenges that I think uh, when we are talking about community radios in, in, in Zimbabwe, we would say, probably in Africa as well, would say, how do community radio stations actually use the online platforms to see them as a way of also generating income? How are they there now and then? Because they should, if you are running a media house, you should be the first with the story. Not, should, not only should you sell story, but you should also be a brand. Sell something else. People should rely on you. That if our station says it, then it means it. Then there's also the issue of the donor fatigue. You know, for the last uh, 15, 18 years, since 2000, I mean, the donor community put a lot of money in Zimbabwe for regime change, democracy, and all those kind of things. And probably they didn't get value for money. Because we, we don't have community registrations up to now, uh, the army ended up changing the regime when other people were supposed to change the regime, the opposition failed. So you then find that if you are looking at the, the coverage of the elections now, you can tell that, I mean, the, the, the current president has invited 46 uh, observer missions or 46 organizations to come and uh, uh, monitor elections in Zimbabwe. This includes America, UK, AU, and all the countries who were banned in Zimbabwe are allowed to come and, 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 and witness or, or monitor the elections. So that means there is a slight shift from the guys in the Western world when it comes to their perception of uh, uh, ZANU PF. I think they feel like, okay, let's just uh, promote change within. If, uh, if ZANU PF can destroy and reform itself, we are better off than. So they, they are no longer interested in programs that they will see them like to be in the fighting end of the government. So they want to be the nice guys. Probably they are realizing that China is making a lot of money in Zimbabwe and they're busy fighting. So you, you find that Zimbabwe is going to be going back to the Commonwealth very soon. Uh, they, they, they are coming late because the Chinese already own large chunks of land in Zimbabwe. They are bringing, uh, we have a term that we use in Zimbabwe called mega deals. Because each time the president goes to the east, the state media reports that uh, the president has signed 56 million worth of mega deals with China. So we are always talking about mega deals. And probably the West are also realizing that they are, they are missing out on these mega deals. And they are saying... Why not just work with this devil that has always been there? So there's a challenge of community radio stations that if they are, they are to operate, the, the, the space is getting small and the funding is a problem because they are not getting the money. And lastly, you know, there is this what I call the ruralization of community radio stations. The government of Zimbabwe believes that if you don't have a chief in your community, you are not a community. So they believe that the community radio station should have a chief. And uh, they, therefore... Community radio stations is a defined community. You cannot be a community of young people. You cannot be a community of soldiers. You cannot be a community of urban dwellers. Whenever we talk about community, there has to be a chief and a sub-chief and a village head, and you should be in the rural areas anyway, somewhere there. So you find that their government plan is to have 56 community radio stations in districts. That means in rural areas. So if the chief is probably the patron or the CEO or is the man who will go to, it means that they are going to give the license to the chief. And the government of Zimbabwe almost owns the chiefs. 
you know, every now and then they buy them cars. So I was talking to someone who works with the chiefs and was telling me that uh, next week they are going to get the, license, the latest uh, Ford Rangers and Isuzus and 84 chiefs are going to get the cars. Already uh, the other guys have already received the, uh, the, the, the cars. So if you go to a chief who's driving the latest uh, Ford Ranger and you tell him that uh, I think the government has a problem, He's not going to, under, to understand what you're saying. But the homesteads of the chiefs are also electrified by the government. And the government pays them, I think, in a monthly allowance of about $300. So if the government knows that it's very safe, if it licenses these chiefs to run the community registrations, because they're just going to talk about culture, not, not that there's nothing bad talking about culture, and they're going to talk about their land and their ancestral spirits, and, 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 all. and there'll be nothing to do with democracy, human rights, and good governance. So I think we, we really have a long way to find... We're having a long way because I don't see ZANU-PF getting out of power in the next uh, maybe 20 years. Okay, let me say 10, <laughs> because this election, they are likely to win it, and uh, the general, who is the deputy, obviously, will want to take over. So the next 10 years, we'll have another general. The current guy, who is the, 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 the army commander, will also want to take over. Like the current. So we have, yeah, we have three guys who are lined up, who are soldiers, who want to take over. So unless something happens, we are not likely to see uh, community registrations in urban areas in Zimbabwe anytime soon. And also, unless we figure out how we can fund these community registrations, they will be licensed and they will collapse in the next two, three years after being licensed because they won't have funding. My hope is that uh, the digital platforms are going to give uh, space to these community registrations. They can be able to use uh, social media and, and the new media, but we now have the, the, the Minister of uh, Cyber Security Threat Detection and uh, uh, Mitigation, who is also threatening all sorts of things to monitor WhatsApp, to you know, put laws that will make sure that people don't abuse uh, social media and all those kind of things. So when it comes to media freedom, I think we still have a challenge, we still have a long way. Our, our constitution really talks about uh, you know, free media and so forth, but I'm not hopeful. Uh, but it's me. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I think uh, we have a long way. So I think you missed this face. So uh, thank you very much for, for listening. You know. Thanks very much. <clears throat> Thanks very much, Zinzila. That was very interesting. Um, and disappointing, you know, one would have thought, one would hope, one had hoped that there would be more opportunities, more change, more opening um, in a country that is very important to us as South Africans. Um, questions, points? I'm sure you have queries. Do you think that if, if uh, I mean, you talked about donor fatigue, do you think that if there is some kind of opening of at least li even limited opportunities for one or two community stations, that donors might think, well, at least this is something? I hope that uh, the, 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 the next, I mean, these elections that we're going to have on the 30th of July are going to bring uh, a bit of legitimacy uh, in terms of the, the, the government, because... We, we are dealing with the issue of legitimacy, but also the hope that once it's 
there, then we are going to have a few guys who are coming up and saying, okay, we are moving forward, let's then start the, 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 the process. Because what has happened is that uh, in the last 10 years, the donor communities have put a lot of money in these projects. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of, uh, ed- I mean, community registrations that were operating, uh, I'm sure some of them really came to this conference, and these organizations have collapsed. Uh, and they received... All of them? Uh, most of them have collapsed. And those who are, these are the guys who now had uh, uh, equipment, we had staff, we had, uh, and all these kind of things. And it was uh, poor management, poor planning, and all these kind of things. So the, the donors are looking into it and say, but where do we start? Mm-hmm. What kind? I think we need a, a template, maybe a, you know, a formula to say, what is a community registration? And how do we move from this founder syndrome to say, if I start a community registration, I want to die with it? You know, the Mugabeism kind of, of thing, even after Mugabe has left. So the, the, the founder syndrome is the one that is killing most of these community registrations. And I, I hope that there will be few uh, partners who will be interested to still work with community registrations and really, you know, see them going somewhere. So at their peak, I know that some of these radio stations were reaching people on satellite, yeah. on, you know, through streaming and so on. Do you have any sense of at their peak what kind of audiences they were attracting? Uh, I'll talk to, uh, about Radio Dialogue that I worked with. Uh, we were brought, initially we were broadcasting on, on, on shortwave. Uh, we, we were reaching about, the shortwave was bad, about maybe 2% of the population. Uh, then we, we went online. Uh, online we were reaching about 100,000 people a week uh, from the stats that we, we got. We had stories that were read by a million people. Uh, in a week. So we had uh, really uh, a large following. But one weakness about the, the Zimbabwean med- media landscape has always been the research, to actually have a proper audience research to say how many people are listening to this product. And there's only one company, I think, that does the all media survey in Zimbabwe. And every year there are always disputes to say this is not true. And, and they, sometimes they tend to ignore what they call pirate radio stations. But radio dialogue had a huge following. And, uh, you know, people come to the station, they will come to the events. It was almost everywhere. And uh, in 2011, the budget for Radio Dialogue was 900,000 US dollars. And so it was, it was doing quite well. But the challenge was always uh, the boards, the management. And sometimes the people, when they work there and they've experienced, and all of them decide to leave, then you find that the, the training program is not uh, good enough and people cannot carry forward. So in terms of alternative, oh, let me give somebody a ch- else a chance there at the back, but while the microphone goes down there, um, in terms of alternative sources of information, I mean, there are still the exile radio stations, the dias- diaspora stations, right, Voice of the People, Shortwave Radio Africa, those, those stations? Um, Shortwave Africa are closed because of funding. Uh, Voice of the People is also struggling because of funding. So we are now left mostly with uh, Voice of America. Uh, which is um, uh, an American run. They run a program called Studio Seven. Mm. You know, so uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a bit depressing looking at where we are going because at the time when we are supposed to have all these community registrations picking up and preparing for the uh, new dispensation, we are actually saying we don't have money to start. And the few that are there, I hope that they are going to get support to really at least have five or so community registrations going on air. Yeah. Thanks, Zanzel. What happened to Channel Zim? Um, I know the Dutch invested a lot of money in setting up Channel Zim, Johannesburg-based. 
feeding Zim with some information? Yeah, um, Channel Zim was another uh, project that suffered because of donor funding. Actually, what happened in Zimbabwe is that after 20, I mean, during, um, from 2000 to 2009, there was a lot of money uh, and a lot of hope. In 2009, there was the government of national unity, and many people, including the international community, thought the, 20, the 2013 elections will usher in a new government, which is led by the opposition. So when uh, Mugabe won uh, convincingly in 2013, there was a lot of, I think a lot of people were depressed. I actually know a lot of people who fell sick because of those results, and some of them never recovered. And a lot of organizations, NGOs, closed after the 2013 elections because there was a huge shift by the international community. And uh, the Dutch who were uh, supporting Channel Zim uh, closed, uh, they, 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 they withdrew their funding, uh, moved their program from Zimbabwe, I'm not sure maybe to Mozambique or somewhere else. They, they were now concentrating on uh, migrants in Europe and, and somewhere else. So th th there was a, a huge cut in terms of funding for, for, for radio stations. And I think one of the things that we should do as Africans probably and as Zimbabweans is to look at uh, funding models. Because the issue of donor funding is not sustainable. I think for maybe for countries like South Africa, where government actually maybe puts a grant to community registrations works. But in Zimbabwe, I mean, the government is failing to fund uh, ZBC. So you are not going to get money from the, the, the government. So what are the other funding models that can be used by community registrations? Because currently all these community registrations get 100% of their funding from donors. And once they shift their policies or decide to, to play ball with the current government, then they cut the funding. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to come on a point where I heard you saying that uh, the police can come and call a press conference and a soldier can come and call a press conference. My question is, how safe are you? What, I mean, what, are you secured as a reporter in Zimbabwe? I mean, the state of media in Zimbabwe, do you have the freedom of speech where you can report anything or the police can tell you what to say or the soldiers can tell you what to say? How free are you? Uh, journalism is a contact sport, you see, so you need to, to have this. I think uh, things have uh, improved from, uh, you, 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 I think we've heard a lot of stories about Zimbabwe journalists being arrested and so forth. But from last year, I mean from November 15, in terms of freedom, ah, I think we are enjoying uh, lots of freedom of speech. <laughs> People are saying things that they, they, they never said. I think it has been, the question is for how long? So, but the, the threats and the, the intimidation, especially at the press conference that was done yesterday by the army, you know, where they were saying, no, we are not involved uh, in the running of elections and we are not supporting ZANU-PF. But the history documents that from 1980, the army has always supported ZANU-PF. That's why last year they intervened in party methods to actually install their own guy because they felt that he had been dribbled. You know, so... Then when they come back and say to you, you journalists, you know, before you write your stories, you know, you should verify with us. 
you know, it becomes you know, a bit worrying that these guys are just giving you a warning. But I think that there has been, I mean, let me say there has been a lot of improvement from Mugabe's era to where we are today in terms of journalists, you know, writing stories, operating. I mean, we used to have, I don't know how many times I was arrested during Mugabe's time. But these days I walk into a police officer's office and say, comrade, can I have a docket there? There's a story that I'm writing. And yeah, you smile at you and pretend he didn't hear you, but he won't arrest you, you know. Uh, small baby steps. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Lerato from VAW FM. So, while you're struggling with um, community radio licensing, you mentioned earlier that online you had bigger numbers. Will it not be wise, while you look at um, funding models, to say maybe let's look at uh, this donor do donations and, and invest in podcasts maybe? Wouldn't that be an option? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you that, you know, you know the, the problem that I've seen, uh, currently I'm consulting for a number of community registrations. And when I go to a community registration, I ask them, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, there was a student on attachment, he, he used Zakras 1, then someone came and he had Zakras 5. So you find that community registrations have five Facebook accounts. You have uh, seven Twitter accounts because they don't see it as important. So the, the social media is done by students on attachment or anyone that they think is young and therefore if you're young you're on social media and then you do it and when you get bored you live with your password so i think that it, it is currently i think there is a route that community registrations can organize themselves and use social media to actually spread you know the the big thing that is there currently is whatsapp you know, there's a lot of news that go around WhatsApp, and one of the projects that we do at the Center for Innovation and Technologies, we do, we stream online. But we know that most people don't have you know, the, the, the bandwidth and the data. So after streaming a 30-minute program, we cut it into five minutes and then circulate it on WhatsApp. So you find that if you are in five WhatsApp groups, you receive it five times. It means people are consuming it. You also find that people are tweeting that video clip and they're discussing about it. And this is what... I think community registrations should do. You know, invest in the free platforms that are there and then try to build on. And probably they'll get a bit of, uh, you know, I was talking to a guy at Google the other day and he was telling me that uh, Google makes a, around between 300 and 400 million uh, from advertising in, in South Africa. And so if we can also use that model to try and, and get adverts. And there, there are a lot of young guys who are trying to understand how AdSense works and they actually sell advertising space to companies and they're making money out of it. So community registrations should just do more than broadcasting. They should find other platforms to actually, you know, you, disseminate information. Okay. Um, I think we're coming to an end, but Paul over there has a question. Uh, it's interesting what you say about WhatsApp. It's it's very unfortunate that Bob Rugurika from Rua, from Burundi is not hasn't made it. I mean, they reach an audience of something like 400,000 through broadcasting clips via a set of WhatsApp groups. Yeah. I mean, those are significant audiences. I mean, of course, they were driven into exile from from Rwanda from Burundi into into Rwanda, and they had a very big audience before standard FM audience. But I mean, the WhatsApp is a, is, is a tool that one can use. Okay, last question to Paul McNally. Um, th that was a fascinating presentation, thank you. Um, I just wondered what your impression was um, of South African community media, um, and you know, through your visits here, what you think of it, 
Um, and just if you think there is some kind of collaboration in some way to help Zimbabwe through the problems it's got. Yeah, I think uh, they have these, I mean, I've uh, interacted with a number of community registrations over the years, and I think they, 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 they have the, the, most of them have uh, good audiences, but I also found that they had similar uh, challenges, especially in terms of management, uh, in terms of running the community registrations, the boards, and so forth. But I think that there are things that can be learned from, especially in terms of uh, uh, funding models, in terms of content. I know there's the MDGA that helps, in a way, uh, community registrations here. And yeah, I, I think they, there's, uh, the community registration in, in, in South Africa have a chance to actually you know, do well, and some of them have done very well. And of course, you have some of them who get licenses and fail because of various reasons. So there's room for, for Zimbabwean community registrations to learn. But as long they are not on air, as long they are not licensed, they will always have problems because they are not going to, 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 to generate a lot of revenue from online, I mean, from, from broadcasting and from advertising. And currently, the Zimbabwean law actually says, I think community registrations cannot take advertising or something like that. So they, they, it's problematic. So we need to, first of all, sort our law, acknowledge that there's a community registration. Because the problem that we're having right now in Zimbabwe is defining what is a community registration. Despite the fact that the dictionary is very clear on what is a community registration, but the government still says, what is a community registration? Yeah. Okay, thanks very much. Um, let's give Zinzila a round of applause.